Welcome to Women Waken, a podcast that helps you heal spiritually from trauma in relationships, childhood, and conditioning to shift from a place of codependency to a state of divine feminine love, acceptance, harmony, and abundance. On Women Waken, we begin the journey to waken from the illusion of needing to prove our worth into the divine experience of knowing our worth. I'm your host, Whitney Walker. I'm a licensed mental health therapist and I specialize in substance abuse, addiction, eating disorders, trauma, and spirituality. I'm also a fellow human being who has faced most of the issues that I explore on this show. On today's Identify and Heal solo episode, I'm offering a follow-up to my episode on love addiction with this episode on love detox. I'm offering two stages that I consider to be a part of truly detoxing from and releasing past traumatic, unhealthy, toxic relationships so that we can then begin to move into a higher state of being that consists of self-love, acceptance, so that we're no longer seeking somebody to heal or fulfill or convince us that we are worthy and lovable yet that we feel that way inherently about ourselves so that we're able to then be at that level that we're attracting in the quality and energetic match that we are truly looking for to have a loving, true, soul, companion, divine relationship and not settle for anything less. So take a listen and enjoy. Hey everybody, Whitney here with an identify and heal solo episode. And today I'm talking about love detox. I just released a solo episode today, my love addiction episode. And this is the follow-up that I promised is to discuss once we've decided, recognized, identified that we have a love addiction, which I'm getting some interesting feedback. Some people feel that love addiction is a thing. Other people feel that it is not. Everybody is entitled to their own opinion. I personally think that it can absolutely be an addiction, as I expressed in that episode, because it can lead us to repeat behaviors that have negative repercussions that we repeat regardless of the consequences, because we can find ourselves in a situation that is not good for us, that's not healthy, where we are not being treated well, we're being disrespected, abused, whatever it might be, and keep going back because we're addicted. What does that mean? I talked about that in the last episode. It means that we are using that source to get a need met that we feel we cannot meet otherwise on our own. In this case, it pretty much always comes down to not being able to love or accept ourselves. If we are seeking love predominantly from another, we are essentially making the statement of, I cannot give this to myself. I need it from somebody else. That can result in love addiction, where we seek out an external source to provide us for what we feel we cannot give to ourselves, do not have inherently a sense of well being, a sense of love, a sense of acceptance. For those who feel that, If they go out with somebody 
And they notice first date, red flags, poor treatment, disinterest, indifference, condescending, rude. That person is going to say, no, thanks. Like, no, that's, that's a pass for me. Someone who doesn't feel love for themselves may take that interaction and it may lead them to question themselves. Oh, oh, well, maybe what I said was stupid. Oh, well, maybe he had a right to correct me or to criticize what I said. I don't want to speak for everyone, but I know I've been there when I've tolerated poor behavior is because I felt like, oh, okay, uh, maybe I just need to be a little more that or a little less like this. And I felt almost intrigued by their poor treatment because my mentality was that I'm not enough and I'm not lovable. So that felt familiar to be treated that way. And when they did come around and say something nice or do something nice, it made it twice as alluring, right? As just a run of the mill compliment. It felt like, Ooh, this person's judging me. And I feel like it's hard to get their acceptance, but now they said something nice that starts the addiction that starts the cycle that so many of us get caught up into. That's why I'm speaking to this. Everybody's has your own opinion, different feelings around it. That's mine. That's been my experience. That's why I wanted to bring it here. So I'm just doing that as kind of a, a little recap, right? To say, how do we get here to this episode of love detox, which is again, when you've identified that you have an addiction and you're ready to get sober, you're going to go through a detox period, right? I've spoken before about how at the end of my drinking and using, I got hooked on opioids, on Vicodin basically. And detoxing was like the worst experience ever because it's leaving your body and your body has learned to function with that medication. And when you take it away, it's going to have to recalibrate. Your body will. Unfortunately, some people will die during detox. They can through, through alcohol, through pills. It can happen through any kind of drug. People can die in the detox because their body has learned to become so dependent on it that its functioning is now compromised. Not the case with love so much, right? However, I will say, I'm sure you've had friends. This may sound extreme. I know people who, when they broke up, they were at the depth of depression. I've known people who were suicidal. I know people who attempted suicide after a breakup. It can be that brutal. And I'm not saying that's how love detox always is, but that's what it essentially is, is when we take a break, a break heart, a break up so hard that we feel that we can't live on after that. We can't accept it, that it's gone, that it didn't work out, that what does this mean about me that this happened? Who are they going to go with now? Right? Who is that person that has what I don't have? That kind of thought cycle can lead you to spiral and spiral down into complete and utter hopelessness. It happens, right? That's a sign that we were and did form an addiction to that love. We were using it to get our needs met. So let's say though that we caught it in time. Things have gotten bad. We realize we kind of have a awareness come around. We've had enough of our friends pointed out we've caught on to it and we're like, okay, you know what? This is not good. This is a unhealthy connection. I'm not being respected. I'm not honoring myself. I'm not showing up as my best self with this. You can watch my episode on it takes two to toxic, which is that any 
unhealthy relationship, codependent connection is never one-sided. It involves both people. So we pull our head out of the sand and we say, I'm, I'm ready. I'm done. So we call it off. We break up. And now the detox begins. Let us be mindful. We all know, or probably most of us, that from that first time that we say, this is over, I'm done. We are breaking up. I no longer want to continue this relationship, this connection, that it doesn't always end right there. Sometimes it does. Sometimes people are one and done and they're like, like a taking a, you know, the ax and it's over and they go no contact and they just completely disconnect, go cold Turkey. Right. But this, I mean, mind you, this could be after many, many breakups, right? The breakup, get back together, breakup, get back together. That's often a part of any toxic, unhealthy relationship anyways, but we're talking about the end stages. Okay. Let's just say that. We're talking about that final time where you say, okay, we're done. And let's say you do go no contact, right? And you say, I'm no longer going to connect with you, talk to you. I need to take space. I need to not get caught up in this again. Because again, you've realized your addictive cycles that you're incurring, experiencing with this person. So they're no longer in your life. You're not talking to them. You're not seeing them. There is still a period of detoxing, right? So love detox is basically, this is a two-part experience that I'm talking about. First, it's literally detoxing and letting that person and that love get out of your system, just like a drug. Because again, unhealthy love is literally like a drug. It provides you the same exact chemical release and experience that drugs do. Dopamine oxytocin, the other one, I'll think of it eventually. Dopamine, oxytocin, I'll have to look it up. So we are essentially hooked on it, right? We're hooked on it and we have to let it out of our system. This is not easy. I don't know if anyone could relate to this. I've had friends who I was really impressed by. They seem really strong. They broke off with somebody and they moved on and they didn't seem to dwell on it. When I've personally ended more challenging, unhealthy relationships, it took a while to get them out of my system. It took a while for me not to be thinking about them every single day. And to be honest, I didn't cut them off right away. It was sort of a uh, tapering, right? Again, just like a lot of people have to do when they get off drugs or alcohol, you got to taper. Usually, sometimes you can't do it cold turkey because it's too much of a shock to your system. And that can be said for relationships, right? especially if it's was really intense and you're really enmeshed and really intimate and connected with them, it's very hard to just let it go. But there is something to say for a slow progression of releasing that person out of your system. For me in the past, that's looked like going from back and forth of, again, like the breakup, get back together to just being broken up, but still sometimes texting, checking in, but maybe not so much sending like racy text messages or pictures and stuff like that. That's a first step. You're no longer connecting as intimately together. And you're noticing that it's hard. It's hard in that detox phase. It, there can be a lot of crying. I know that was the case for me. Even people where I was like, why do I care? Like this was not a good thing. They did not treat me well. There are a lot of red flags. I didn't feel respected. And I don't know if I can say that I truly respected them with how they acted, but I still would 
have those moments, the rose colored glasses where you say, yeah, but I miss them. And when the memories are fresh, it can be so hard to let them go. Because what we tend to do often when we break up is you remember the good things rather than the bad things, especially if we're lonely, right? We get lonely after a breakup and we're like, oh my gosh, but remember we used to spend our Friday nights together on the couch watching movies. And it was so nice to have someone to hold and have great sex with and eat great food with and make plans for the weekend with. And remember they did this nice thing. We romanticize them and we don't remember as much the bad times. It can be really hard to let it go. Also, if it's a real mind fuck of a situation, then you are just as, as you're detoxing, you're, you're having to sort of deal with the behavior that you tolerated, which can be unpleasant, the way that you acted that you may not be so proud of. A lot of things come to light again, just like somebody getting sober who has to, once they're finally clean and getting clear headed, they have to sit with the discomfort, the shame, right? There's so much shame involved with getting sober and clean and coming out of an addiction. There's a lot of shame in addiction, no matter what form, because it's essentially a loss of control, feeling that we've lost control and that we are engaging in behavior that we would deem as not appropriate not respectful, not healthy, that we maybe have hurt others, that we've definitely hurt ourselves. It's self-destructive. It's abusive to be engaged in a addiction. So these are hard things to sit with. And what's, what are we going to want when we feel uncomfortable? We're going to want something that is soothing us. We're going to want that person. Oftentimes, if we're going through that detox of that love, that's going to be the one thing we want. Just like a junkie getting off of a drug, you know, somebody's getting off heroin. They're going to say, oh gosh, I just, I, I know I shouldn't, but like, that just sounds so nice right now. Cause I'm sitting here alone and I'm just stuck with these feelings and these thoughts and having to replay things over. And I just want to go back. That's why a lot of people relapse. Cause it can be that first push through sobriety can be really challenging. Some people feel great right away. Some people get off drugs and alcohol and they're just like, oh my gosh, this is so nice to not have the chaos and the struggle and the misery of addiction. But usually, even if they have that gratitude for that, there can still be a, reach a point where you want to go back. You want to go back to the thing that offered you companionship and co companion shit. That's actually a good word <laughs> for a, a not great relationship companionship. It's still companionship. It's still something, but it's kind of shitty. You know what I'm saying? That's my new word. Okay. So what I'm getting at here, what I'm trying to offer is validation, acknowledgement that when we first let a relationship leave our system, it will be hard. Basically all I'm saying is that breakups are hard. Okay. But I want to take it down to more of a cellular level, which is give yourself the credit Give yourself the compassion that it's literally your system trying to learn how to regulate without what you are putting into it. I know for me, when I was stuck in unhealthy relationships, and I've spoken to this before, I craved, you know, the text messages from them, the correspondence, the next time I saw them, sex with them, intimacy with them, even like the fighting and the breakup and the makeup, all of that is very intense. I also have done an episode on the addiction to chaos. A toxic relationship is totally chaotic. And when you let that go and you're just left 
with your system that's gotten used to ups and downs and ins and outs and dopamine and oxytocin and that other thing that I can't remember, then serotonin, good grief, serotonin, that feel good chemical. There it is. Then it's going to be difficult to push through and you have to be patient to let your body regulate. They say that it takes half the length of a relationship to really get over it. I don't think that's fair. I would say it's almost the opposite. It takes twice as long as a relationship to get over it. I don't know. It's always different. I was with somebody on and off for about 10 months and it took almost a full year to get over it. Maybe less. It takes, takes a lot, but again, it happens in kind of like, you know, tears take steps, you taper off. So as your body re-regulates, it can be very critical to not go back to that drug. Once you've made that final decision that you're like, this is really it. Then you have to just sit with the discomfort of the detox, let it leave your system and recognize that when something is painful, leaving your system, it's because it was poisonous to you. Something that is good for your system is not going to make you feel poorly or badly or sick. You're not going to have withdrawals when something positive leaves your symptom, your system, right? You might not feel as good. Let's say you've been eating really healthy fruits and vegetables, and then you stop. You might just not feel as good as you did when you ate them because they were a positive thing. They are a positive thing you were consuming. But when something that was not good for you, that was poisonous is leaving your system, you're going to feel withdrawals from it. Cause again, your body was having to adapt to poison and now it's trying to learn how to function without it. So we allow for that initial detox period and we have to be strong because if we go back to it, if we go back to our source, that person, that relationship, it hinders our progress. I know for me, again, like the first few months, I was still reaching out to the person because it was just still so hard. I just wanted it so badly. And I couldn't imagine not talking to them. I couldn't imagine not getting some something from connecting with them occasionally. I was stoic in some ways. Again, I tapered down, but I couldn't hold back sometimes from saying, the you know sending the i miss you text i miss you or sending like little things to kind of like prod them a little to see like what they would say see if are, are they seeing someone else what are they doing that's also the hard part you're like what are, what are they going to do now have they moved on what are they th- why aren't they co- contacting me it's our body it's our mind it's our spirit that's detoxing okay those are all different levels have their own complexities about letting things out of our system So we need patience, but we need to commit because if we don't commit, we will relapse and we'll want our drug back and we'll go back to unhealthy relationships. So we do things for ourselves, right? If we have a little hiccup and we text them, we start again tomorrow, right? We check in with ourselves and we say, is this what you really want? And sometimes the universe will help us out. I've had that. I even caved to the point where I was going to see somebody. I was going to do it. I thought, what the heck? You know, just, we'll just have like one last fling. It's been a few months, but we will. And it ended up falling through. And I was kind of like, said a little silent prayer to thank the universe. Like, oh, thanks for the assist, buddy. I was going to make 
a mistake. I was going to regress. But even then, you can still regress. You can still have a little relapse and then get right back to it. Some people do go back and they sleep with their ex. They, you know, spend some time with them and then whew, they remember why they left. My overall point is that these things take time. I don't believe there is any timeline for how long it takes to get over a person. Every single person is different. Depends on the duration of the relationship, the intensity of relationship, all those things. So now we talked about that, the literal like detoxing from something. Then we get into the second stage, which is being in a state of shifting our energy to that which we now want to attract. And the part of the detox that that includes is to not engage in relationships for a while. Because here's the thing. I read this in a book recently. I think it was um, The Law of Attraction by Jerry and Esther Hicks, where they talk about how most people will jump right out of one relationship into another, never taking time to heal, to reflect, to process what happened. They just dive right into the other. And they're saying how when you do that, you're most likely to enter into an almost identical situation. Not always the case. I've heard of people who had super unhealthy, terrible relationships and broke up with them. And the next week they met their soulmate. There's always exceptions. However, for the most part, what's really important is to take some time. That second stage of the detox, which is let your system recalibrate and then rise in energy into something that will attract what you really want. And that takes looking at, well, why have I been attracting these people before? Why have I been attracting people who did not treat me well, who were not respectful, who I was, you know, not my best self with my toxic traits came out. Who do I want to be now in my next relationship? How do I want to show up? Alluding to a book that I speak of often, my dear friend, Jean Sullivan, the book, Being the Soulmate You Want to Attract. So you take that time and you say, I'm going to detox a bit from love. I'm going to refrain. I'm going to be abstinent, if you will. I mean, literally, you're not going to have sex if you're not dating somebody. Except with yourself. That's good. But that's what we want to do. You want to do some self-care, right? Get in tune with your body. Loving yourself. I know it's cliche, but it's absolutely true. Because just as I said earlier, when we are caught up in a love addiction, it's because we are not, we feel that we are not able to love ourselves and give ourselves what we need to feel loved of worth. We feel like we need that from somebody else. That is fundamentally untrue. Nobody else can make us feel loved. When we're in a healthy relationship, the presence of somebody else almost like helps us. It enables us to swell with our joy and our love that's already there, but they can never give it to us if we don't already have it. And in love addiction, it isn't really even love. It's again, it's those chemicals more so because they're, and I've spoken to this before when, um, trauma picks your partner that you're almost just like, Oh yes. Keep telling me that I'm good enough. Keep giving me attention and affection and validation because oof, it's like a nice ointment on my trauma wounds. Keep saying those things. And maybe my, you can shift the belief I have about myself that I'm unworthy or whatever it might be not possible. Only you can do that. 
So we take this second stage of the detox to say, okay, I'm just going to focus on me because then guess what? Think of yourself as a plant and you're deciding to really root yourself and start watering yourself and getting enough sunshine, literally and figuratively, right? Like sunshine is fantastic when we're looking to open ourselves to love, you know, sun is very powerful energy, warmth, heat. It's good to be outdoors in the sunshine when we're trying to connect with natural feelings of dopamine. That's another thing. How do you get natural dopamine rather than seeking it? How do you get it from your own space? Things like being outside in nature with animals, meditation, self-care, self, self-soothing, self-pleasure, all these things are no, more natural sources of dopamine. Dopamine addiction is its whole other thing because we get that now from our screens and a lot of other sources, but that's a whole nother episode. But my point is looking for more natural ways, not right, not scrolling on our phone. We want to be mindful of not breaking up with somebody and then not wanting to sit with our feelings. So we're just checking out in other ways, right? That's why they often use the uh, analogy that addiction is like, what was that game? The whack-a-mole, right? Where you're like, okay, I'm going to stop drinking. I'm good. But then you're like, oh, dang, here's something else I can pound away at. That sounds bad. But something else that I can, you know, use and abuse to get what I want. People go from alcohol addiction to eating disorders to food addiction to, which is kind of the same thing, uh, love addiction, sex addiction. I mean, you'll hear it from anybody who's like a true addict. You can go from one thing to the next. So you want to take that time to detox from those more uh, synthetic externals. And do things that are more natural, that bring you joy, that make you feel at peace with yourself. Take that time because that's when you start to recognize and ask the big question of why don't I love myself? Because the truth is, if you are engaging in unhealthy, self-harming behaviors, you do not love yourself. And that's a harsh statement, yet it's just true. It doesn't mean that you don't care for yourself in certain ways, but if you truly love yourself, you wouldn't tolerate poor, abusive behavior. So we want to raise ourselves up. I've spoken before that self-love is a state of being. You can't just read all the books or even listen to a podcast like this. I'm not claiming to tell you how you can self-love. Only you know that because every person's experience of it and path to it is different. But I will tell you this, as I learn and recognize every day in my own journey, is that there's no substitute for self-love and there's no shortcut. And it takes effort each day to find what it means for you to learn how to love yourself and that it can be frustrating, a frustrating journey when it feels like there's so many setbacks or things you get hooked up, hung up on, Right. I'm like, well, but how am I supposed to love myself? Because I'm so mad at myself that I did this or I don't have this or I've gained weight or I don't look the right way or I didn't, you know, this thing didn't work out with this person. They weren't interested in me. I'm not, we can't just pretend like those things aren't real. They are real. And how we respond to them is real. It's about waiting until that frustrated emotion passes to sit and ask what's keeping me from loving myself unconditionally. 
regardless of these circumstances that right now are making me feel like I can accept and love myself? What can I do? What can I engage in? What practices are helpful for me to begin to love myself unconditionally to the point where I'm raising my energy, my state of being to a place where I can't see myself as any other way than perfect, complete, and lacking nothing. Beautiful, powerful, radiant, an infinite being of value and worth. Again, it sounds kind of fantastical, yet it's actually true. (laughs) Ironically, I speak to that a lot, but like, it's actually what's freaking true about all of us. We're all magical beings. Like we just showed up here on this planet. We exist every day. We're this complex, remarkable system of operations from our cells to our, you know, our blood flow and our muscles and everything about existence is crazy. You know what I'm saying? Like it's, it's wild that we even exist. So how do we see ourselves is not amazing and remarkable. Most of us don't. So we have to ask that question and we have to take the space and time to do that. Otherwise somebody will come in and they'll say, Hey, can I take you out sometime? And if we're not in a space where we are able to say, okay, I'll give this person a chance. I'll go out, but I already know where I stand with myself. If this person cannot respect me, treat me the way that I know I deserve to be treated, whatever is important to us, right? Whether it's being courted and shown that someone really has a strong interest and is willing to make an effort for you, that should be important for all of us. Sorry, I don't like to use the word should. That could be declared as being important for all of us. Because if somebody's not willing to make an effort or show that they're interested, I don't see how they can deserve you. So until we're at that point, if we cave and we go for something before we've truly healed and allowed ourselves to detox from these unhealthy relationships, we might very well find ourselves in the same situation once again. So these two stages. First of all, I want to commend anybody who's at this place where you feel done with the roller coaster of love addiction, where you feel ready to begin your detox, to get sober, to abstain from relationships that do not serve your highest good. It's a big choice, some that certain people never make. And no judgment, everybody's on a different place in their journey. But if you're listening to this and it resonates, congratulations. Give yourself time. There are plenty of resources out there for those first stages of getting over a breakup and letting it get out of your system. How to not tap back in to those fixes that made us feel good. How to connect with yourself. Let those roots go go deep. Give yourself the nutrients and sustenance that you need to be a healthy, self-loving, self-accepting being. Seeing your own glory, not asking somebody else to convince you of it, which is essentially what we're doing when we keep going into these unhealthy relationships is because we have this fundamental belief that we are not a worthy being, that we're not a value. We're not good enough. We want someone else. We feel that we need someone else to show us that that's true. When we decide that we are not dependent on that, we focus on ourselves. 
And again, it takes what it takes for that first stage. There's going to be tears, most likely. There might be anger, the stages of grief, right? There might be a, a period of anger where you're like, God damn, how did I tolerate that? God damn, how did that person treat me that way? That was horrific. And then you got to think there might be part of you that wants to reach out and cuss them out. There's lots of therapeutic tools, like writing a letter. You can record yourself, even do like a little Zoom recording where you just pretend like they're on the other end of the, the line and you're just going off on them. I know when I've gone through some of those stages of anger, uh, I'll have like whole conversations, right? Like where I say all the things, the comebacks, the things that I wish I had said until I don't need to anymore. In the moment, I'm like, what's wrong with me? I'm really worked up about this. I really haven't healed, but it's a part of the healing process. You're getting it out. You're letting it out. It's built up inside of you. It's that part of you at that time in your life. It's like, why didn't I defend myself? Why didn't I stand up for myself? And you can't go back in time, but you can make the decision to not tolerate that in the future. And that's why we detox because we don't want to be back in that situation. So we let it out of our system. We do things that are about us, that take care of us, that help us to see our worth and value. Little self-care things, things that help us honor ourselves, taking space, taking time. I have a lot of episodes for my solos, um, my divine feminine solos that talk about that, how to create a sacred space and a sacred practice to love and honor and accept yourself. Again, it can sound too fantastical and whimsical, but it's just the truth. At the end of the day, we the same way that we have routines where we go and water our garden, move our plants to make sure they're in the right sunlight, we have to do the same thing for ourselves. It's not a silly concept. It's reality. Our emotional body needs tending to as well. So we let ourselves detox and then we take the time we need to be out of these relationships, to choose to not jump right back into something. And we take some space in the period of abstinence from relationships so that we can raise our energy. And once the poison is out, we don't want to just be at like a baseline. Anyone who's gotten sober knows that when you first get sober, yeah, you no longer have alcohol in your system, but you can still feel like shit. Like I was saying that you're left over with the residue, with the repercussions, with the aftermath, right? Of the situation. So we want to go from there and then raise up. We raise up so that the next person we meet is more aligned with what we truly want, which for most of us, if not all of us, is someone who's loving, kind, understanding, compassionate, healthy, stable. But then we have to ask that difficult question of, do I exhibit those traits? We can't ask for what we don't have to offer. A lot of us do that. We're like, why haven't I found my person who's, you know, super fit and well off and driven and takes care of themselves and is super kind and responsible? Okay, great. You got that? Do you are you showing up with that? If you are, awesome. Then wait for someone who can match that. That's another thing I talk about a lot is don't compromise. If you truly believe and you truly know that you are harnessing and shifting towards that space of true self-love and acceptance, don't settle for anything less because it will bring you back down. Little by little, you make these little concessions like, well, you know, well, there was this, there was this. Okay. You write it off you, and then you're right back and you're like, gosh, 
I'm in it again. So don't let the pressure, sorry, I don't, I don't like telling people what to do. It may be best to not give into the pressure that society puts on us that you, that single is a derogatory term, right? That single is something to be ashamed of. It's nothing to be ashamed of. I know that I've had my battles. I know that I've stayed up some nights thinking, oh my God, it is weird that I'm still single. It's weird that I've only had a few relationships. There's something wrong with me. Is that true? We're all different. We're all having different paths and different experiences. And sometimes we're single because we're taking the time to heal and do the work that's going to allow us for a brilliant, beautiful relationship. Take that time, do your detox, raise your energy by practicing and incurring and developing your self-love and acceptance so that the next relationship you get into, you're not the same person you were before. When you break up with somebody, you're healing, you have stuff to process, you're down here, you're at a lower vibration. Just by nature, it's nothing, not a criticism, it's just you've kind of dropped your emotional body because you've been dependent, right? You've And then you feel depleted. You raise yourself up, you recharge, you reinvigorate yourself, you love yourself. You're at a different level, baby. You're going to be attracting something good. Don't you want to attract something good? That's what happens when you detox and you wait and have some patience. All right, everybody. I hope that was helpful. Thank you so much for listening. Have a beautiful day. That wraps up our episode for today. Thank you so much for listening to Women Waken. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with others and come back for more. If you'd like to connect with the Women Waken community, you can find us on Instagram at Women Waken. And if you follow Women Waken, you can get a free tarot card reading if you just send a DM. I hope you have a wonderful rest of your day and don't forget to let your unique light shine into this world.